deep in the heart of Central Texas, it's the Best of the Outdoors podcast, brought to you by Texas Fish and Game Magazine, the voice of the Texas outdoor nation. I'm your host, Dustin Von Warnke, author, outdoor writer, videographer, speaker, blogger, and podcaster, and I'm so excited that you've taken the opportunity to download our show on your mobile device or stream it online, however you are listening. Thank you so much for doing so. Well, we're back. I know we've been gone the last couple of weeks. Um, We had a bye week right before Thanksgiving week. I did kind of a best of the best of the outdoors Thanksgiving week since it was a short week, and I know a lot of folks wouldn't have a chance to listen to the the regular podcast, so I did that. And then we took a... um, break off last week because the week after thanksgiving because i got sick thanksgiving weekend so (laughs) i didn't have much of a voice to speak from i had kind of an upper respiratory virus thing going on and i just really didn't have much of a voice to talk with so took a break and did another best of week that week and uh so we're back this week and i'm really excited to have the chance to work with you and uh and be with you again um and do this podcast because i really enjoy bringing this to you every month uh, every couple of weeks i guess you could say every twice a month (laughs) so anyway um today i have blake marshall he's a good friend of mine he is a hunting guide and the owner of king of eights outfitters and uh is just a great guy Uh, i've known blake since 2014 so it's coming up on um three years now that i've known blake and i've helped him kind of grow in his career and the work that i do in the outdoor industry and um i've really had a great opportunity to i've been trying to get him on the show forever i mean since i started the podcast i had planned to have him on the show uh originally and since it's become part of the texas outdoor nation i've really wanted to have him on the show and um so we finally got together and recorded a podcast before thanksgiving so i'm just releasing it now since this is our next week for podcast and i hope you enjoy it i hope you really enjoy our show together we talk a lot about a lot of different things on this show high fence hunting which is kind of a controversial issue uh we talk about tanner's dream hunt which is a organization that um Blake is starting a GoFundMe page for and uh, a Facebook page for and uh, for a for a gentleman that's a double amputee and he's doing some charity work with that and some other um, some military veterans and some other folks that are doing things in the outdoor industry Um, so good things are happening on this podcast for sure and uh, there are ways you can plug in and and support that we also talk about a letter from a non-hunter that blake received on a social media site not a letter but a uh, a note from a non-hunter and how he kind of responded to um the uh the the questions that she was asking you know and kind of gives some insight for us and and when we deal with non-hunters and uh people that aren't part of the outdoors you know kind of the things that we can teach and educate folks that don't understand why we hunt and fish in the outdoors um you know to to kind of turn more people our direction and uh in the fight to uh to keep our heritage alive in the hunting and fishing world so anyway a lot of good stuff on this podcast i want to thank you so much again for tuning in and joining us and here is my interview with mr blake marshall i wanted to say this for like a year and a half now blake marshall welcome to the best of the outdoors podcast (laughs) i've been man i'm telling you i have been wanting to do this with you but when i say every time you know something has come up and it has come up and i it's it's been one thing after another but i got a i got a lag this week in between hunts and guides and you know if i'm not guiding or i'm not uh hunting i'm doing some type of ranch work concrete work you know metal buildings whatever and i got a little lag and i'm uh you know i'm trying to do some 
filling philanthropic work along with uh you know posting and trying to sell hunts so i said you know what i'm gonna seize the day and i'm gonna do this with this man i, I love you dustin and, I, <laughs> and you you've been nothing but helpful to me and i anyway sometimes the only thing to do it is just to just to do it exactly so. exactly well, i'm so glad you're able to join me today like i said i've been trying to schedule you on this for for a while but i was even talking about doing this podcast with you blake before we started the best of the outdoors as part of texas fishing game and when i started the podcast i wanted one of our first ones to be together but now that we're part of the texas outdoor nation and the texas fishing game family i think it's even better we have even a broader audience so this is great i do too i do too man i'm i'm glad to be here no, that's super. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Blake, and your background in hunting. Well, I, you know, I, I grew up in, in rural Georgia. I started out uh, at a young age with uh, growing up. You know, I grew up on, on a hunting family property. We we managed everything for timber there for uh, mainly pine trees and everything. But uh, we we have a, a home place there that, you know, was originated from when we came from overseas, you know, that we were generation farmers, you know, third, fourth, fifth generation farmers. And, uh, anyway, started hunting there with my dad, uh, who, who got me into it at a very young age. I remember my, I remember my first hunt with him when I was three years old and, and uh, he took me out there to our land and, and, uh, <laughs> we crossed the fence, you know, walked what seemed like a mile and, and, uh, crossed the fence probably about, you know, a hundred feet across the fence and he laid a blanket on the ground and, and, uh, he was trying to teach me how to be quiet in the woods, you know, listening to squirrels and stuff. And I had a little rubber band gun I had been given from my great aunt and, uh, you know, that, that Christmas before I was, anyway, I was three years old when I got my first, when I remember my first experience, I know he had taken me before that, but right. I continued to, uh, you know, to grow and, and, uh, my love continued to grow for the, for the outdoors and, and um respect for that because my dad was real big into into conservation he was actually a, a guide out in wyoming for um uh, for 11 years he and my mom got married out there but uh he was so he was big time into it and um you know he would he would take me every chance he got <clears throat> every chance he got but i was also the low man on the totem pole so uh you know <laughs> as uh-huh. as as that happens they would uh you know they would all kill deer in camp and and uh, i would have to learn but they would bring the deer in and i would clean them oh sure you know, they would hang up and i would be the one that, that cleaned them and uh the go-to guy you know, for cleaning that's deer, right huh? and it's, but it's, you know it's part it's part of part of becoming a man you that's know right. and uh, it's it's that rite of passage so to yes. speak and, and then i was able to they they gave me a little bit more rope and a little bit more rope and a little bit more rope till by the time i was uh eight years old i, I got out you know, by myself. I mean, there was folks on the property, but I was theoretically by myself, and I, I took my first deer and uh, shot him with a open sight, uh, lever action thirty thirty. You know, rolled the deal woods and wow, and uh, never never will forget it. And I forever forever hooked. <laughs> sure. And um, you know, so I, that's kind of how I got how I got started. Uh, you know, and into my love and everything, but then I I took it to a whole nother level. Um, you know, growing, growing up, uh, listening to my dad's stories and everything, he, he was, uh, he was a civil field engineer, um, uh, our civil engineer started out as a civil field engineer, but what he would do is he would go on projects. He would take a project for 
six months, eight months of the year, and then he he would take the rest of the year and guide. And so I got to, uh, you know, I got to experience a lot of that stuff with him, see a lot of the the world with him. And main thing he pushed me to do was follow my heart. Right. And uh, that that's kind of why I'm getting at now. How I got from Georgia to Texas is a is a interesting story. But um, you know, I, I could I'll try to sum it up best I can. I, he, uh, my dad wound up passing, uh, December 1st, 2011. Uh, and he was, he was in the, in the deer stand. He was actually on the guide and, uh, he was in the deer stand out with a bunch of guys, uh, bow hunting and everything and wound up having a heart attack and, uh, you know, passed away that day. But, but he lived while, you know, he died while he was living, so to speak and doing what he loved. And I had a, I had a decision to make that day, uh, or not necessarily that day, but in the months to come after I got done dealing with all his stuff, I, I, uh, I decided it was either following his footsteps, which I was doing. I was in school to, uh, in engineering school at Georgia Southern university and, uh, doing the construction management program there, or I had a decision to, uh, follow my heart and do what I'm doing now. And it, it didn't, happened the way i thought it was going to happen as a lot of stuff does or does not in life but sure um my hand was actually kind of forced my my mother's originally from texas and she remarried a man from uh from texas and they moved out here they had been here about a year and a half um at the time and six months after my dad passed my mom and uh, stepdad got diagnosed with cancer and so I, I didn't bat an eye you know she called me up I packed my truck up and I came out here well I got a little job at Bass Pro Shops and um, with all, with full intention of wanting to get break into the outdoor industry you know and and uh, I started feeling a little bit here and feeling a little bit there and I was actually guiding hunts with guys uh, for free you know just because I love it so much sure and these guys said, you know, but you could, I mean, if you, if you really love this, you know, and this is your passion, you know, you can make a good living out here. You're in the, you're in the right place. And I had never, I hadn't experienced that in Georgia. We don't, it's, it's night and day. Uh, right. from, we don't have big ranches with all these animals and everything. So, um, so I, was, I started thinking, you know, and, uh, anyhow, <clears throat> uh, got in I, on Facebook, this, that, and the other, uh, I started, putting stuff out there and and uh lo and behold a man by the name of dustin von warnke <laughs> who i'm talking to right now yes uh reached out to me and said hey man i uh, i'd like to like to see if you want to uh, you know work with dk outdoor adventures and and uh, start brokering hunts and and so you uh, you introduced me to a whole nother uh facet of this that i had never done and taught me how to uh, you know, gave me my introduction to into properly selling hunts with you know fully researched places, places that you sure. trust, places that you don't trust, and all that. Sure. And um, and got my start, started making a little bit of money, and during that time, uh, I wound up um, I wound up going on a I killed my killed my two biggest deer that season. I started with DK Outdoor Adventures and. My two, my first one with a bow in the Texas Hill Country, and then I, I went home for Thanksgiving. This was uh, in 2014. Yes, I November that. 2014. I went home for Thanksgiving and and uh, with Georgia to see all my family, and I got 
invited on a duck hunt and uh wound up you know i i loved i loved ducks with the best of them but them big bucks were running and i kept seeing it and all the other you know it was horrible weather uh intermittent between tornado and thunder and lightning storm Ooh. and uh you know but i i decided to uh i decided to stay and as fate would have it i wound up killing the the biggest buck of my life and uh shot him with my uh uh, with my dad's rifle um you know that he left me with actually the the last round that, that he had in that magazine so 308 savage but uh it's pretty special but anyway that's he's a very special that's great i mean wow what a story <laughs> well he he was a uh almost 152 inch uh eight pointer a solid eight pointer killing right off the Oconee River there in Georgia between Baldwin, Baldwin and Wilkinson County, uh, right in the middle, smack dab in the middle of the swamp. And it just, you know, I followed all my sign and God led me to it and, uh, wound up harvesting an animal of a lifetime. And, and, uh, anyway, that leads me to my next thing of how I got the, the, uh, the name for my company, which is King of Eights Outfitters. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my cousin, uh, Keith Marshall, he and I, uh, he was, one of the ones out there giving me his dare, uh, you know, to claim growing up and helping me and showing me. And I looked up to him. He's eight years older than me. And, and, uh, we were, you know, you have those friendly competitions with, with family, friends and family and everything. And, and, uh, he and I were the ones that were in most competition, but I had, uh, year after year, you know, I had, I had killed deer, uh, solid deer and everything, but, uh, you know, he had killed big nines and tens and elevens and this, that, and the other, but never killed an eight. And he, he's actually a, a fire, a full-time firefighter there in Macon, Bibb County, Georgia. And he asked me to bring that deer, uh, that big buck, big eight point I shot to him to, to show him. And I did. And he and the other firefighters went out there and I let him go out there first. And he uh-huh. lit up a cigarette and dropped the tailgate. And, uh, you know, that feeling. And, and he said, good, gracious, alive, son. He said, that's that's a man right trying to, you know, and, I, and it made me feel so good. But he said, uh, he took a drag off that cigarette. You know, I can see it just today. And he said, well, I'll be daggum if you ain't the king of eights. <laughs> and, uh, I love and it. I said, well, <laughs> I said, well, what do you mean by that? And he, he said, well, think about it, son. He said, you, you, uh, from the time you ever, you know, you, you killed your first buck, you know, respectable buck to now they have been nothing but eight pointers and they have, and if you look in my house, they go from, you know, about a 110 inch to now 150 inch. Eight pointers, they just got bigger and bigger and bigger every year and they're really solid symmetrical eights, thick symmetrical eights and and he said, I've never killed one. I've never killed a symmetrical eight. I've never killed eight period. I've killed tens, twelves, nines, you know, all that. He said, you're the king eights. <laughs> and so I, I, I had it. me a, <laughs> I had me a long ride back to back from uh, Georgia to Texas. Uh, you know, I was it was like I said, I was just there for three days and I did everything real quick. And I had been pushing real hard. And on my way back, I uh, I pulled over to the side of the road to take me a thirty minute nap, which wound up being a three and a half hour nap. <laughs> I understand and, that uh, <laughs> <laughs> And I I woke up, and when I woke up, I had the. Uh, not only the name of my outfit and my head, of course, but I had the emblem in my head, which is, which is the, my buck, my actual buck, uh, bucks outlined with right. the, uh, the King's crown. And, uh, you know, some people, when they first see it, they're like, huh, King, King of eights, you know, that's, that's cocky. But the main thing that I'm trying to portray there is, 
you know, being the king, I'm not the king, you know, I am because of the great I am. And sure. the, the king, the, the crown on the buck's skull represents uh, the crown of Jesus. And uh, the eight represents uh, new beginnings as it does in the Bible. So it's basically my outfit means king of new beginnings. And and you can, you know, I want it to be a symbol of hope for, for everybody because you can start today. You know, right. you, you can you can start today and you can do anything. You just have you have to believe and sure. you have to put in first. And, and I did. And, you know, you've been in this industry. You know how tough it is. You know how cutthroat it is at times. Mm-hmm. And um, I've had ups and downs, highs and lows, met good people, met not so good people. But <clears throat> I'm with uh, I'm with some really good guys now and uh, working with some really good ranches and God has blessed me because I've I've uh, I've, I've actually put him first. You know, I've, in years past, days past, I I thought of I thought I had put him first and said I had put him first, but until you actually do it, uh, nothing nothing happens. You know, and nothing was changing in my life during right. this time. Right. You know, it's definition of insanity. You know, mm-hmm. doing the same insanity thing over and over, and over, and over again. again. Right. Yeah. That's right. Expecting different results, but. But anyway, that's the that's the basic rundown of of how I got here and how my outfit became to be, and uh, you know it, it's not easy at all. It's a daily grind. I don't I don't wake up and go to a nine to five. I, you know, some days I work twenty hours. You know, doing doing what I do, and and uh, in the off season I don't you know I, I don't rely just on this. You know, growing an outfit, uh, you have to have good clientele that. Uh, know they can trust you and rely on you and, and good ranchers and um, good management programs and there's a lot that goes into it so in the off time you know in off season heck i build fence uh, i do concrete finished concrete i do metal buildings i do whatever it takes but i'm lucky enough to have a woman who <laughs> understands that and right and uh, and accepts that and knows that i love this and knows knows that i you know i will provide but my ultimate goal is to, uh, is to of course, have a, a working ranch of my own. Uh, I'm looking to start out with, you know, 11, 1200 acres. Um, looking to get a, you know, have it already fenced with animals in it, and then of course, living quarters, and then, uh, and then quarters for guests to stay, hunters' quarters, uh, and hopefully, yeah, hopefully, if things go right, man, I, I'll. Uh, I'll have that here in the next year, year and a half or so. That's great. I was going to ask you something since you are into, um, you know, uh, exotic hunting and those kind of things, as well as whitetail deer hunting. I've got another podcast I'm going to do on this subject, but what is your thought on high fence hunting, Blake? Uh, You know, when I first started, uh, you know, I came from Georgia and I had heard many, many uh, tales on, on high fence hunting. Here's the deal. It's like anything. There, there's literally here, 27 miles from my house. There's two high fences uh, right across from each other on 83. One of them is like hunting 100% wild free-range animals. One of them is managed to where you can turn on a feeder and they they eat carrots out of your hands if you wanted right. to. So right. it, like it matters zoo. how it yeah it matters how that that place is managed. Um, if you add four four feet to a fence, does that make a wild animal any less wild? No. 
what I think about high fence is it's more for keeping uh, people out. You know, there's there's a lot of uh, not necessarily keeping your animals in. Yeah, you want to do you want to protect your investment? Uh, absolutely. And doing this as a as a business, um, you know, running hunts and running an outfit and doing it as a business, and people want to come and and take these animals. I have absolutely uh, a, a totally different outlook on high fence hunting compared to when I moved here. You know, I, I growing up, I'd heard, oh, you know, they just raised in a pen and this, that, and the other. Given there are places that have hundred acre pens that grow. 230 inch deer and people come up and pay $25,000 and shoot them. Sure. If that's your thing. Okay. That is, that's not my facet. Uh, the, the high fences that I do hunt, let me assure you, if, if you have any kind of doubt that, uh, in your mind that a high fence hunt is some kind of, uh, you know, fishing the barrel hunt that that's fine. Come hunt with me and, for three days and see, uh, you can see for yourself, everybody that I have had come hunt with me on a high fence or we do combination high fence, low fence, their minds are changed. Right. Uh, and they're right. like, wow, you know, I had no idea that, that it was like this. I thought it was just going to be you come and you turn on a feeder. I've been on this hunt or that hunt. And, you, you know, these guys turn on their feeders and the deer show up and, and uh, you know, you take which one that you want. Um, and there's, there's a time and place for everything. But what I – uh, the places that I deal with, uh, they're managed right. Um, in my opinion, you know, they're managed how I think they should be managed, and and you actually have to hunt. Um, right. You have to hunt for them. Are they uh, are they in an are they in an area enclosed area that they cannot get out of? Uh, yes. Right. But let me tell you something. They they get smarter and smarter and smarter and smarter every day. That some of the craftiest animals in the world. You know, I mean, they, they can be 10 feet from you. They know exactly when you show up and exactly when you leave and right. every move that you make. Even more uh, than low fence hunting, Blake. You know, I, even, I, I make that point a lot. Yep, especially a lot more than low fence hunting. Um, I'm actually, to be quite honest with you, there's, a, um, there's some guys coming with me on, uh, uh, on low fence hunts, you know, and we have equal – uh, basically equal caliber of bucks in our high fence as we do our low fence. We've got a, uh, right now the pastures that I'm hunting is 6,600 acre low fence and 2,700 acre high fence. Uh, and then a 2,000 acre high fence. And, uh, you know, I advise them to come hunt the high fence and, uh, you know, they, they said, well, you know, we want to do low fence. And I said, well, that's, that's fine. I mean, they, they probably will wind up, uh, getting a deer but one of the main things that i was stressed to i was like look man i mean it's uh you know these these deer are they're wild you know i have to when i go out and scout i don't i don't go i don't go out in my truck or ride the polaris around i go and i actually you know i sit down i go in i sneak in i get up in a blind and i glass and i you know i really watch or i, I spot and stalk just like i would just without a without a gun right for a hunt right right when i'm getting ready for and preparing for a hunt um yeah i actually i just had a couple come uh two weekends ago for their anniversary uh part of their uh i mean part of their not anniversary part of their honeymoon and sure 
they came on a meat hunt. They and I said, you know, it's Axis and Whitetail. Let me tell you something. I uh, I put them on uh, I put them on Axis on spot and stalk. But um, you know, the saying goes, "He who hesitates is lost." You know, you gotta. <laughs> they they realized that you had to be quicker on the switch than right. than they were being. Um, and no, no, nothing against them. You know, they, they wind up being great hunters. They took three, uh, three deer home with them, which is what they came for sure. package hunt. But, uh, they saw how after the first day they said, wow, you know, I, our opinions are totally changed on uh, hunting a high fence. Right. And, and so, yeah, that's my, that's my spiel. That's my take on that. I, I think good. it, 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 it matters how it's managed. No, I agree. I agree. It's, it matters how it's managed. And I mean, another thing that the point that you hadn't made about high fences, it also keeps predators out. One of the high fence ranches I'm working with right now has got a coyote problem, um, even in the high fence. That's right. And you know, but but it typically keeps you know animals that uh, you don't want in. You know, either genetics from other animals, you know, other deer or, or other exotics or whatever, out of there. And it also keeps uh, a hold of. Um, you know, keeping predators and other, you know, non-wanted, uh, animals out of the, out of the high fence area to protect your game. So I see it in a lot and see high fence hunting. I understood got started because of not wanting deer to building a high fence next to a road. So deer would not jump across this, the road since there were so many deer in the area. This is the way I understood it at least. And I don't know exactly where this started, but it was basically keeping deer away from humans, you know, hitting them with a car or a right. truck or whatever. And that's how right. I understand it got, but then you see all the benefits of keeping your genetics in there and keeping, um, you know, your, your animals and stuff like that safe in there. It definitely has its advantages. So that's something we've it never sure talked about does. on this show. So I just wanted to, wanted to bring that up. It sure as heck does. You're right about that. It, uh, it definitely does. It also keeps, uh, you know, not only predators, hogs out. we don't have a, yes. we don't have a hog problem. I mean, and do I, do I hunt hogs? Sure do. I've got land for that. There's places that I go for that, but, uh, where you're trying to manage a place and keep up a population of, of whitetail or axis or, you know, whatever African hoofstock you have in there, uh, you don't want a bunch of hogs in there rooting up everything, tearing right. up feeders and eating all the food and running everything off feed. And you may not uh, have a hog problem yet, Blake, but <laughs> you know, yeah, not yet. You know, they just they just hadn't, so. they hadn't made it there. I, fortunately for the the landowner and the the ranch manager, I have a uh, I have an itchy trigger finger when it comes to hog and predators, and <laughs> wherever I wherever I guide, they they don't last that long no <laughs> and uh that's good <laughs> you know try to try to do my part in right. that which uh which actually it kind of that leads to you know you and i were talking the other day about um i posted i posted a picture of me on facebook i was holding up a bobcat that i had killed and uh i had a I had a young girl message me uh, and I, I knew her, you know, I grew up with her. My mom actually taught her in school. Oh, cool. Uh, but I, I had a young girl message me <clears throat> on Facebook <clears throat> after I posted that picture asking me, you know, she was like, I, I want you to explain to me, you know, what is the point? Why do you, why do you kill things? Uh, you know, is it for the sake of killing or why, why do you kill things that you don't eat? Yes. And so I, I, you know, I sat back for a minute and I, I wanted to just go boom, 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 boom. And I said, you know, that's the wrong <laughs> thing to do. This is, 
this is somebody who she came at me with an open mind and she wrote that she said i'm coming at you with an open mind i'm not PETA, which i have had them come at me but sure we all have (laughs) yeah the antis i i'm not PETA. you know i'm not uh i'm not a vegan i eat meat i love meat. i just i want to understand more about what you do sure and i said sure absolutely and uh so i i sat back a minute and i started thinking why you know you Sometimes you have to ask your own self, why, why do I do the things other than it's, you know, now it's ingrained in me. It's just ingrained because that's what we do. And I was raised by a man who knew every law of conservation, which, you know, I try, I tried to teach her about during our conversation, but I started out by saying, uh, first and foremost, you know, I don't, I don't kill something, uh, for the sake of, of killing it. Um, you know, I, anything anything that i take it has a purpose and one of the main things with predators okay i used to let predators walk growing up i used to because i thought they were beautiful and they are right all right you know coyotes uh coyotes are beautiful to watch bobcats are beautiful to watch guess what every day a predator lives something dies and if you're trying to manage a population of whitetail or black buck or axis or whatever <clears throat> you've got and our quail especially especially in this region that i'm at turkey uh you know we're we're over i mean we've got an abundance of of uh of quail here turkey here all that but you want to keep those populations where they need to be and let me tell you something uh a coyote a pack of coyotes or you know a bobcat here a bobcat there can decimate your population yes. one or two they are not animals are not conservationists like humans <laughs> you know that's no, they're not. true so no they're not they eat, so, they eat to live right that's right and i uh do they do they deserve to live absolutely just like uh you know just like the deer or anything else that we take deserve to live but you know you have a when when properly managed and this is one thing i was trying to uh, explain to her, i said every place that i hunt has a management program set in place and not all of them are the same you know they have similarities and differences but within that management program you know you have you have a certain amount of deer that you have to take you have a certain amount of uh, turkeys that you want to take you got a certain amount of quail that you want to take and you don't you don't want to decimate a humans can decimate a population but you uh you know in the in the natural balance of the ecosystem you also need to do your part or as a hunter, I feel, I don't, I'm not going to say you, I feel I need to do my part in taking out, uh, you know, taking out predators and uh, to, to keep the populations uh, where we, where we want them. Right. And if you, uh, you know, for anybody who does disagree or anything, I have several videos that I can show you of coyotes ripping the ass in out of deer and, or phones or whatever and i mean one after another after another i'm not talking and i'm talking about on the same property and the next thing you know you don't have you don't have the numbers that you did and then the next thing you know you don't don't have anything and they've moved whatever whatever else has moved on to other property which brings me back to why high fence is important right they uh so yeah there's there's a lot of a lot of benefits to um to population control when it comes to 
comes to predators and and, uh, and your hoof stock, whatever it may be. That's good, Blake. I mean, uh, you know, I, I did a podcast a couple of episodes ago on bow fishing, and I got a lot of questions after I posted that up about, you know, what do you do with the fish every time I post bow fishing pictures? And, you know, nothing ever goes to waste in nature. You know, I think that needs to be said because, you know, the turtles and the snakes got to eat too when it comes to bow fishing, you know, even though we don't eat that fish. But we take invasive species, especially like, you know, grass carp and common carp and those kind of things out of the lake because, you know, overpopulation they eat bass eggs and catfish eggs and you know fish that are desirable for us to eat um on land i think it's the same kind of idea you know the buzzards got to eat at some point you know and um they're they're definitely nothing ever goes to waste by nature you know i think that's a good point to make here absolutely you know uh, um what what goes around what goes around comes around and and you know there are Here's here's another thing. There are certain people who uh, who do take those fish home, and um, you know they they they'll boil them down. They'll cut them out. You know they'll cut them out. Take their time to uh, to uh, cut down. You know cut the cut the fish apart and fillet it and everything, and take all the bones out. And and they they will eat those fish. However, right. Right. it's a um, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot more time-consuming. A lot. It's it's a whole lot of work. And if you're running, um, when you have a species that, like you said, is invasive, and you have the numbers that you have, it it's not. <laughs> you're not doing you're not doing anything but good by taking a few out, exactly. and especially exactly. putting them back, putting them back because everything, like you said, everything else is going to eat the other game fish, which what we consider game fish are going to going to eat on that. Right. Um, that's you know, right. so yeah, absolutely. So the man. same, yeah. the same is true basically on land, where you know you take out a, a predator like a coyote or a bobcat or something like that, and it. Uh, and my last podcast was on predator hunting with air guns, so this is kind of a perfect place to put this. You know, um, it uh, it basically has its uh, it has its benefits for sure. Absolutely, <clears throat> absolutely, one hundred percent. You know, and the the one of the other things that we that i was trying to explain to her is not and i i, I started off that i'm going back to the conversation you know on um what she asked me about why i do what i do in conservation and everything sure. and i said you know fir- first and foremost let me explain something to you i am a hunter and this is what i do and uh you know i'm not i'm not apologetic for that i i never in a million years until social media came about and I had all these anti hunters come at me, I never knew anything about being apologetic for hunting. Are you kidding me? Growing up, I did it. We did, my dad would say, go get a deer and I'd go get a deer. And guess what? We ate for a while. Oh, he right. would say, go catch a mess of catfish. And I'd go run a trot line or jugs or, or, you know, rod and reel. And I'd catch a mess of catfish and we'd eat for a while. Right. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not in the least bit apologetic for what I do. And, um, the people that, that do not understand hunting or think it's inhumane or cruel are just uneducated and do not want to, they don't want to, to know the truth. They, uh, they see things how they see things and, and that's it. Uh, of course, I, another thing I can guarantee you, they've never even been on the hunt. 
So how can you judge? How can you judge something that you've never done? Sure. You know, uh, you can't do a calculus problem without knowing trig, and you can't do trig without knowing algebra. You know, it's step by step. Sure. Hunts the same way. No, it is. And, there are a uh, lot of people that have not experienced it that that are anti's or just non hunters that that will rack on us a lot of times. But I just don't. I don't agree with, you know, why knock it until you've tried it, you know? I mean. Well, that plus, here's the deal. The 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 reason that the populations are the way they are to this day are because of who? Hunters. Hunters. I was going to say who? that. I mean, look at Africa. Look at, you know, look at Africa's a good example of that. But all over the place, you know, um, they're, they're, that's a good very good point yeah the the we have a we have a bigger here's the thing here's a great point the the population uh we have a better population of animal hoof stock in texas than africa does that you know was why? what i was going to make a point of exactly because, the, you know why because of the improper management of uh of hunt of, of the uh, of the hoof stock itself you know it just killing and decimating populations and not not properly managing stuff you know we we as hunters we do this yeah do we do it for enjoyment do we do it for the meat do we do it for the thrill absolutely but we're doing it for years to come you know right. i'm on i don't have a son yet or daughters yet but when i do i want them to be able to experience the things that i've experienced and the only way to do that is to get out there and do your part right and <clears throat> that's something that i i literally do it live it sleep it every day i've dedicated my life to this it's not not something i i take lightly right and no, uh, i understand completely and i've got a seven-year-old son that i'm trying to get into it you know and he has his ipad and his iphone and all the different things you know that he plays games on those kind of things he doesn't have his own iphone yet but he has you know he has a lot of distractions that can get involved that a lot of kids get involved with that never learn how to hunt and fish and i take him out every time i have a chance to go fishing or every time i got a chance to go you know, uh, check my feeder or, um, you know, check my blind or check my stand, or check my game cam pictures or whatever. And, um, you know, I think it's vitally important. You know, it, it, as I've said on this podcast, many a times kids that hunt and fish don't steal and deal. That's right. You know, they don't the, the bumper sticker is true. <laughs> you know, they, that's right. They don't because they have something else, something good that occupies their mind and their time. And, uh, you know, to be honest with you, there's, there's not a, there's not a whole, even as an, you know, you get to an adult, there's not a whole lot to, to do out there that, uh, you know, that is, that is better than, than hunting and fishing. There's not a, what I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is there's a whole lot of bad out there. Right. And hunting and fishing is not one of them. And my best memories, my very best memories growing up, the ones I still pull from on bad days, guess what? It's, I'm out there doing something in the outdoors with my, in the outdoors with my cousins or my uncles or my dad or whomever, even if it, if it's, you know, just the shoot bush hogging. I used to, I used to sit on the tractor and bush hog with my cousin Rick, Richard and thought I was the, you know, big coolest thing in the world going through the, going through our property, cutting skitter roads, logging roads for the, for the uh, timber companies to come in, you know, sure. just keeping the roads up and, uh you know that that leads to to better things you know that sure. that leads to uh leads to land management wondering about land management and uh asking asking why what can i 
what can I do to to make this place make this world a better place the uh one thing that really got me started I don't know if you <clears throat> if you read this book if you hadn't anybody who's listening y'all ought to check it out too it's uh, uh my dad gave it to me when I was in middle school and it's it's called a sand county almanac by Aldo Leopold and uh, Aldo Leopold is known as the quote-unquote father of conservation and it's if you've never read it uh, and you have any any curiosities about why we do what we do as outdoorsmen as conservationists uh, all, all doubts will be uh, you know be extinguished after you read it it's, uh, it's a it's a heck Good of a book, book. Yeah. I've not read it before, but I, I'll definitely put that link in the show notes so um, other people can find it. Can you get it on Amazon, I assume, Blake? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Good. I'll, I'll absolutely. look it up then. That's great. Yeah, man. Uh, but anyway, so other than that, buddy, Ro, I've, I've just been uh, here lately. I've just been I've been guiding. I've been running a bunch of meat hunts, uh, which is part of a management program that we do. We have a certain number of deer that we have to uh take each year due to the the population uh on these ranches that i'm guiding on like mld permits that kind of thing yeah we have okay. ml yeah they're they're mld permits cool. and that's great uh we have a have a certain number that we need to take certain quota that we need to take of uh does and <coughs> and or spikes uh four pointers stuff that you don't want in your genetics uh been doing a, doing a good many of those uh and trying to trying to book daily i'm just trying you know it's uh, like i said it's a it's a daily grind getting out there thank god for facebook right and linkedin and instagram and youtube and everything else lord knows i try but um you know it's just a it's a matter of time you know little by little i'm growing a i'm growing growing a pretty good list uh clientele list of people that anybody that has come come with me is told me they want to come back so oh, that's, that's right that's a perfect yeah, testimonial right there, you know. Yeah. Um, I'll go ahead and disclose that I built your website. You want to give that link out and your phone number? Yeah, abso- absolutely. Uh, it's uh, com, and that's all spelled out, right. word kingofeights.com. And, uh, yeah, you, you did. Uh, <laughs> I you, do a lot of things all. in the outdoor industry, as you know, Blake. So yeah. our audience yeah, doesn't you, know all those things yet, but I do a lot of things. So that's yeah, how you, I came to you. Know do you do a heck of a lot more than I thought you did when, when we first started. <laughs> I, I thought you were a hundred percent techie dude, but you're involved in a, in a lot, lot more facets of it than, uh, you know, you actually amazed me with some of the stuff. It's like, man, you know, he, he manages so many of these, uh, so many of these websites for these, outfitters and guides and stuff and uh and you know i know you you're into the um to the buying and selling trading of, of uh hoof stock live sale right um, yeah live sale and everything which is cool and i've started getting into that myself it's um, a fun business it's a really cutthroat business if you think hunting outfitting is bad so <laughs> it's, it's absolutely absolutely cutthroat yeah um but it, it, it it's fun yeah like you said it's fun it's and it's feast or famine too yeah um, is, and, that's for sure and and people <laughs> you know people want what they want when they want it yeah. or either they don't want it yeah, so you have to be right. 
you have to be ready with it johnny on the spot with it that's for sure because people don't wait long in that business that's for sure absolutely that's Uh, right how would you prefer people to to contact you blake um through the website or through your phone number or what would you like to give out yeah they can uh they can they can well on the website my phone number and email is on there they are anybody and everybody is more more than welcome to call or text me you know just as well as i do i live out in the sticks so yes uh, if you're trying to get in touch with me, uh, text me first, and then I'll call you back. If you call me, leave a voicemail. But my uh, my number, cell number, is 210-740-6411. And uh, you can also go uh, go to my website, which, of course, is www.kingofates.com. And my uh, what you're welcome to email me as well. And it's pretty simple. It's huntingwithmarshall at gmail.com. Uh, all spelled out, all lowercase. <clears throat> Again, all that uh, all that info is on that website, on the website as well. And um, uh, there's there, I have rates, you know, rates for hunting and stuff on the website. But I do, I have daily deals that I, uh, I'm always there's, you know, as you very well know, prices fluctuate up and down sure. in this, and so I'm always whatever's on there is just kind of a ballpark. There's stuff. Uh, it goes up and down so i'm always finding deals so if, if somebody gets on there and they want something they're interested interested in something they see a price and they're like uh you know don't hesitate give me a call because i can find deals i mean i that's one thing that i do oh, um, great. you know i'm i'm always always talking to ranchers always going out to different places looking for different um you know different populations of animals species and, and stuff uh, yeah i know that's good yeah and i uh i do I do low fence and high fence. You know, I do 100% free range and high fence. And uh, one thing that I've gotten into here lately is uh, running quail hunts, which I'm really excited to add that on into my repertoire. That's great. Uh, yeah, I did a I did a good bit of it in Georgia. You know, got my got my feet wet there, so to speak. But uh, you know, I I never was able to call myself a quail guide, but I've done a good bit of it here lately enough to where i'm experienced enough to to take be able to take people out and know what i'm doing and uh <laughs> i've got guy i don't have the, i don't have dogs but i have guys that i call in sure. um to go on you those know hunts. And, right That's yeah great. to go on those hunts so offering that now and um um uh, offering the helicopter hog hunts oh cool uh, yeah started started offering that um and where and are you located again? What part of Texas are you? Just to give our listeners some geographical. Yeah, I'm in. Uh, I'm located in in Ballinger, Texas, outside of Ballinger, uh, about eight miles. Uh, I'm out in the middle of nowhere in God's country, <laughs> and, uh, literally. But I, I'm about uh, the ranches that I, the main ranches I deal with, are about uh, seven eight miles outside of Eden, between Paint Rock and Eden. All right, and just the next nearest city next to that is what? Uh, the closest, biggest city to where I live is going to be San Angelo, and that's 45 okay. minutes. San Angelo, okay. So that's kind yeah. of central west Texas in a way, right? Is that what you would that's say right. geographically? Okay, that's cool. Yeah, central west Texas. And, um, basically between San Angelo and Abilene, okay. if that gives you, gives you an idea. No, that's good. Those are two major uh, cities people can reference pretty well. Yeah, and they're – um, the highways, uh, highway intersection actually I live off of is, um, 2406 and 83 FM 2406 and highway 83. Oh, okay. That's cool. Right there. But, uh, I actually, 
crazy. I, I'm uh, six miles from where where my granddad, my mom's dad, grew up in Rowena. So oh, how cool! It's weird how you come around full full circle. Yeah, full like circle that. in your life. Yeah, you never had know. no idea. Had no idea. <laughs> That's it's great. Crazy, and it's funny to have you on the show right after I had Rick Ward, who was who grew up in Texas and now lives in Georgia for twenty years. Um <laughs> I have somebody that lives from Georgia that moved to Texas, you know, and is here and uh I know there's a big age difference there, but I just kinda think that's funny, you know, Georgia that is boys. Funny. <laughs> you that is Georgia funny. boys that... are funny. <laughs> that's right, man. We we're a different breed for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. We're a different breed. We but uh you know, I, I don't get me wrong, man. I, I love Georgia. I love going to visit my family and everything. Right. But to do, to do, uh, that brings up another another good point. And whoever's listening, you know, um, to do what I want to do uh, and be an outfitter, be a successful outfitter, and guide and do this uh, for the rest of my years. Uh, if you're not grandfathered into something or a multi gazillionaire win the lottery, you're not going to get into that in Georgia. I'm right. just telling you. Um, you know, if you don't, I, I know several great places to go in Georgia. Um, but you know, it's, it would never be mine. It would never be right. my outfit, my operation. It's and, not uh, the industry like Texas has hunting as an industry no. is what you're saying. Yeah. I think that's no, very that's, important. That, that's right. And, and, uh, you know, so I had to make that decision. I, I you know, I left home. That was my home. You know, sure. I, I grew up there, lived there until I was, uh, 24 and, and uh i've been out here i'm 30 now getting uh, getting to be an old man <laughs> but uh <laughs> i'm 37 so i'm not that far behind you there but or that far ahead of you so yeah that's funny but uh but uh but i, I love it here i love it here in texas man i i wouldn't uh wouldn't try to fool the world now i've got a got a great woman who uh who puts up with my crazy self and <laughs> and all my outfitting and guiding and everything and, and uh wants to be a part of it we were actually looking at land and uh ranch homes last night you know just dreaming and right. uh planning our wedding and all that stuff so we're in the middle of that as well <laughs> oh, how exciting that's wonderful man that's great yeah yeah man so, and the best place people to follow you they can just search um blake marshall or king of eights on facebook instagram that kind of stuff right yeah uh on instagram you can of course you can look up blake marshall or king of eights outfitters but it uh it, it would be the actual tag is at ko8 marshall okay uh, the at symbol ko8 marshall and that's all lowercase um facebook yeah you can uh you can look me up black marshall and uh it's to the side of it um it's black marshall king of eights outfitters you know you have a king of eights outfitters page right <clears throat> that's right i have a king of eights outfitters page as well uh that's which good. you can you can also uh, find on Facebook and just go up there in the search bar and type in King of Eights Outfitters LLC and it, it should pop up. And you're a fun guy to uh, to follow on Facebook and Instagram. I love looking at all your posts and stuff and all your pictures and uh, you just you're a fun guy, man. <laughs> so. I, I appreciate I appreciate it. I, I try to keep t- things entertaining. I do a little bit of everything. And I uh, some people they say, "Golly, you take a lot of pictures." And then those same people are like, "Man, you know, that picture that you took, can you send me that?" Or this, that, and the other. So I, I don't I don't ever <laughs> I don't ever stop. And I, I do a lot of videos, do a lot of pictures. Uh, because you know you want you want people to uh, you want people to see uh, right. what what you love. I want people to see what I love, you know, sure. and and I love what I do. So that's the that's the way I get to share, um, you know, share with everybody. And 
you know, it's a good tool. It can be a <laughs> Facebook and and uh, and Instagram and all that. That can be, um, you know, that can that can be time wasters and right. And that can be a bad tool, but it's it's like anything. And it's how you uh, use it. It's, uh, it's how you use it. You can use a hammer to build a house or bash somebody's head in. So it's it's how you use it. That's right. You know, I mean, that's that's just as, as simple as I can put it. That's a good way to look at it. It's a tool. And, that's right. Um, it's a tool. Yeah. No, that's great. Anything else you'd like to add before we're done with this one? Yeah, actually, uh, right now, uh, here in the past couple of days, uh, it was I was in the middle of work. Uh, about two days ago today will be the third day uh three days ago now i was in the middle of work and it got put upon me I, i've started uh, i've done a lot of work with uh handy handicap uh individuals not necessarily children but but i do you know children adults and veterans and i'm getting more and more into that i want to do more and more work with them of course i want to run my normal hunts but uh I'm the first thing that I want to hit on is I set up a, uh, set up a GoFundMe page for this young man. His name is Tanner Hinton. Uh, and I'm, I'm raising money right now to take him on, uh, basically a dream, dream hunt of a lifetime. He, he's a awesome dude. Um, he's, uh, he's a double amputee. He's got, uh, he's suffering from kidney disease. You know, he's, uh, he's had one kidney transplant, uh, suffers from kidney disease, but, uh, and he's got, he's got a track chair so he can get out and go, but he's, he's still limited. Uh, but the, the hospital stays and the medications and everything that they have to do, keep them to where, uh, they can do things that they want to financially. And this kid, uh, I call him a kid. He's 21, but this, this young man, uh, he's near and dear to my heart. And I, I just really want to, uh, really want to get him on this, uh, on this next hunt with me and we're, we're going to do a, want to get him a, a good rifle, good scope, some good outdoor gear. Uh, and we're going to try to take a, a plethora of three animals. We're going to do a, try to do a black buck. Uh, and that, these are his top three, a black buck and axes and a, and a really good white tail. Nice. Uh, and along with getting some really good outdoor gear, um, is, uh, you know, and as much as we can, but I set a, I set a goal, um, a fifteen thousand. I, I did a GoFundMe page, and it's if uh, if any of y'all would like to donate, um, it is www.gofundme forward slash Tanners dash Dream dash Hunt, uh, and that's Tanner T A N N E R uh, with an S Tanners dash dream dash hunt www.gofundme.com forward slash tanners dash dream dash hunt <laughs> and i've also uh, if you go to follow me on facebook or instagram i have uh, embedded links there and i've shared all over creation i actually did a, <laughs> a live feed yesterday yes i, I watched on, that i can i've put it on every uh absolutely every hunting form that i could possibly put it on and uh some some people have deleted it because they said they don't allow stuff like that but most people have been accepting to it that's great um, and i'll put that yeah, link man. in the show notes too for sure for the podcast I really, so people can see that i really appreciate it but yeah he's uh we're gonna get it done in, i mean in, in just three three days time uh or by the second end of yesterday we had already raised uh a little over 1200 of the of the fifteen thousand. so Fingers crossed, we'll we'll get it raised and uh, and get him out here 
you know, God willing. And, uh, like I said, I'm looking at doing a lot more stuff like that. Um, I'm looking at what it's going to take to, to set up a, uh, a foundation, uh, specifically for that. I want to, uh, I want to be able to, to take these, uh, especially veterans, um, you know, the veterans that come back, it, it bothers me. And, uh, some people overlook it, but I have, I've lost family overseas in, in the war and then, uh, in recent years. And then I, I've had a couple come back and, uh, they're not the same. And then, then I lost them and it's due to PTSD and, and there's not a, there's not a real good way to introduce or reintroduce them back into society. And everybody knows the problems with the VA. Uh, I could go on forever, but it's something that I could do uh, and other people could do to do, uh, you know, to do our part for the people, men and women who protect us and oh, who sure. protect, our, protect our freedom. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking at uh, setting up a foundation specifically for that, for people to come and hunt, um, uh, you know, for these veterans and, and uh, handicapped individuals to come and, and go on hunts and, and get them, get them back going, give them something to, uh, you know, something to do, something to put a smile on their face, you sure. know, because um, really when they come back, uh, you know, they're veterans tried and true there, but when they come back, they're in an infancy stage again. Right. Um, you know, that I've seen, you know, the, the toughest, toughest guys in the world, you know, I've seen break right. and snap. And, and I think if, um, if we can do something like that, uh, you know, I've got a, uh, on my page, you know, you and I were talking earlier, but on my page, I have a, uh, have a thing, um, for, to donate for Tanner. And then I've got a, a, uh, donation, uh, link set up on my webpage on the King of Eights webpage for, uh, specifically for that. And all proceeds will go to, um, go to Hunter, you know, whoever, uh, whoever gets that the hunt. And I've got, I've got certain, um, certain groups that I, uh, that I work with, um, the wounded warrior project. I've had people contact me, you know, I've been in contact with them. Um, uh, I've got a, one guy, he's actually a veteran himself, but his name is John Venable and, uh, really good dude. They, they've got a, uh, an organization set up and, and I've got the paperwork and everything filled out for that, but going to try to do more and more, uh, more and more hunts like that, you know, to, to give back. And I just, I, it's been put on my heart to do it. So I'm going to keep on, I'm going to keep on doing it. That's great. That's wonderful. I mean, that's the stuff I love to see in our industry. And you know me, I'm part of the Crosswater Outfitters group, which is a men's ministry that we, uh, you know, minister to wounded soldiers and their families and that kind of stuff as part of our ministry. And, um, you know, it's near and dear to my heart too, Blake. It really is. So yeah, that's great. No doubt. Yeah. It's, uh, it's an, it's an important part of, uh, you know, it's, a, it's an important part of what we do. And it's, um, you know, as, as much as I get, as much enjoyment as I get is, uh, seeing any of my clients, you know, take, take an animal of their lifetime or anything. I, I do get enjoyment out of that beyond all comprehension. But when I get these, these guys, these men and women that I've had out, it's a, it, you you know what I'm talking about, and you unless you've experienced experienced the the smile on their face and the way they light back up, 
again, it's uh, something that you have to experience to uh, to understand. To really understand. I agree. I agree 100%. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, that's um, great. But, yeah, so I uh, – uh, I appreciate I appreciate everybody who who's listening who's tuning in. Uh, if I'm boring you, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're not boring us at all. You're very entertaining. I don't, I don't mean to, but uh, I'd love I'd love to do this again with you, Dustin. I, sure. Uh, you know you've been you've been nothing but a, a good friend to me. I'm sorry it took so long for us to get it <laughs> get it going. Uh, hopefully, it won't be that long again before we have uh, have another one. I, there's a lot more many more topics that you and I have discussed that I want to, that I want to hit on. Um, but I, you know, I think we've, I think we've got a good one, some good stuff for today. Yeah, we do. Well, thank you so much again for joining me, Blake. Absolutely, man. And, uh, I appreciate it. And, and I love you. Keep on rocking buddy. And, (laughs) and, uh, I'll see you soon. You know, I really enjoy every one of the interviews that I do on this show. And Blake is just an incredible guest to interview. I really hope to have him back on the show again. Uh, that was a blast. I really enjoyed uh, the conversation that we have together and um, and just the, what the future holds for him and his operation and his um, his work in the outdoor industry. So those are the kind of guys I like to have on the show because, you know, just like all of my guests, they bring a lot of insight and education to what we do in the outdoors. And that's kind of what my goal in this podcast is, is to help you know, spread the good word about what we do in the outdoors and, and the benefits and, and things that we have in conservation and um, hunting and fishing in the future and those kind of things. So it's just a, just a great thing to, uh, to talk about for sure. So as a companion piece to this podcast, I also have a article that I'm publishing this week on high fence hunting, kind of the controversial winds of uh, controversy in that issue. Uh, a lot of folks are kind of anti, you know, high fence and some folks are for it. And I kind of discuss in that article um, the kind of both the pros and cons of high fence hunting and kind of both sides of the issue. So feel free to check that out at fishgame.com. I also have a... Um, product review called a texas tested review that we do from time to time on the website at fishgame.com on a site mark core hx scope that i purchased a few months ago and i've been shooting on my 270 fn mauser custom mauser rifle that i have and um so that's been working out really well so i posted a um review on that as well a texas tester review on that as well to check out on the website so thanks so much for listening thank you so much for watching thank you so much for reading and uh again if you're not a subscriber to texas fishing game it's a very inexpensive to get a year or two or three or four year subscription to the magazine we have great content every month i really highly recommend you get the magazine even if you live out of texas there's a lot of really good things uh, that you can learn from there, but being this is kind of a Texas-based podcast, it's definitely something if you're a Texas resident to uh, to consume because there's a lot of good information in there every single month. And thank you so much again for everything. Thank you so much for um, for for going along with the ride with me and uh, listening to the podcast. And um, have an awesome day in the outdoors. Mm-hmm.